Good afternoon, Lafayette. Here is Joe Cunningham right here. I'm sorry. I'm Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. And I want to start today by going international. There's a story at the Wall Street Journal that came out yesterday that I think all of us should be paying attention to. Sales are booming in Russia's oil export market, the world's largest in crude and refined fuels. And new trade arrangements have given Mr. Putin cover to use natural gas exports as an economic weapon against Ukraine's European allies. Before the war, Russia supplied Europe with 40% of its gas. It has since throttled flows through the Nord Stream pipeline to Germany and other conduits, driving prices higher and putting pressure on European households and businesses. Oil revenue more than makes up the difference. Russia is swimming in cash, said Elena Rybakova, deputy chief economist at the Institute of International Finance. Moscow earned $97 billion from oil and gas sales through July this year, about $74 billion of that from oil, she said. The country exported 74 billion barrels of crude and products such as diesel and gasoline each day in July, according to the International Energy Agency, down only about 600,000 barrels a day since the start of the year. Do you remember when the Biden administration said that they were going to hold Russia accountable, that they were going to use whatever tools they could so that Putin didn't get away with this unjust war in Ukraine. Do you remember that? Because I remember that. I remember the Democrats talking a very, very hard line, taking a very hard line, talking a very strong game against Vladimir Putin and making sure that he saw punishment that he didn't get away with this war in Ukraine. And here we are six months later. The war started February 20th, I think. We're now on, on, uh, we're now on August 30th. And nothing. Russia's been allowed to get richer. Russia's been allowed to expand its oil sales in the global market. The Biden administration did not follow through. They did nothing. They did nothing to try and stop Russia from benefiting through this crisis. Remember, the oil price hike, the gas price hike, the energy price hike, inflation, all of that was Putin's price hike. Remember that? Yet Putin is out there making Russia billions of dollars in oil sales. Now, there's a reason I want to start with this internationally. Because I want to bring it back home. Yesterday, it was announced that the Biden administration lost in court again. The Biden administration 
was taken to court in a multi-state lawsuit. One of those attorney generals in that lawsuit, attorneys general in that lawsuit, was Jeff Landry. And those states, they won. They beat the Biden administration in its moratorium on oil and gas lease sales in the Gulf. Here's the press release from Landry's office. I am pleased the court recognized that the president stepped outside his authority. Biden's energy policies have crushed American families with higher energy bills for their homes and vehicles. The judge ruled that the order was beyond the authority of the president of the United States. Even the president cannot make significant changes to the OCSLA and or the MLA that Congress did not delegate. Landry added, we will continue to ensure that American energy policy is crafted by the legislative branch, not the judiciary or executive. We must keep fighting and winning to bring relief to American consumers. Russia is winning on the global market. America is a net importer of oil and energy right now. The Biden administration has worked tirelessly since they came into office to cripple American energy production. And now the courts, at least this court, is recognizing that Biden overstepped his bounds in trying to do so. That Biden's devotion to the cult of climate change was, in fact, unconstitutional, which is basically what this is saying, because we had, remember, we had a Supreme Court case over the summer, and that Supreme Court case said that no executive agency can take any powers not delegated to it by specific legislative act. Joe Biden can't take what's there and expand its power simply because he wants to. No executive agency can do so. And that's what the Biden administration did. So the courts are starting to fight back against this usurpation of legislative power, which has always been there. I've been screaming about the legislative branches giving its power away for years. It's not new. It's just being taken to even more dangerous extremes. But finally, we have a Supreme Court that said, uh, actually not. That these non-legislative bodies can't do legislative things. That if the legislative branch doesn't give that power to these executive agencies, they can't do the thing they want to do. So U.S. District Court Judge Terry Doty dropped this, frankly, not unexpected bomb on the Biden administration's moratorium which is good for Louisiana and good for several states. But here's the problem. The Biden administration has already pretty much intentionally screwed up one of its last lease sales, screwed it up to the point that an Obama-appointed judge in D.C. invalidated the lease sale. So now we have to rely on the federal government to go through these lease sales in order to get American energy production back up and going. But oh yeah, 
energy companies in the United States don't really want to make investments in energy in the United States because the Biden administration is threatening all sorts of regulation and all sorts of action that would make it too costly to produce the energy. We're at a point where Americans are economically suffering one economic issue after another. And the Biden administration seems more intent on making it worse than making it better. Build Back Better 2.0 that was passed and signed a couple weeks ago, that's just more of the climate stuff. They're going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. They are devoted to the cult of climate change. Vladimir Putin, who Joe Biden said should be punished for his unjust war, who the Democrats have said should be held accountable for his unjust war, Putin is reaping the benefits of America stepping back from the global energy market. We should be able to provide energy to Americans and be a net exporter. We should be able to push Russia out of the market in some way, at least. But because the United States has backed away from the global energy market, except to be a consumer and not a seller, and because the rest of Europe has joined this climate change cult, and they're now dependent on Russia because they're too scared to get their own energy... The Western world now has to suffer with tyrants like Vladimir Putin continuing this war, that this rampage that he's on to try to take Ukraine and is able to do so with money generated from the fact that the United States isn't taking up its proper role in the energy market. 232-1542, let's go ahead and take a break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. When we get back, we've got more stories of the day to get to and your calls as well as sending a message to the KPL app chat if you want to be in touch with the show that way. We'll take a break, and we'll be back here in just a moment on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham here, the Joe Cunningham show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm sorry, I'm not very good with words today. I'm, I'm butchering them a lot, uh, which is weird because I taught English for a while, but apparently words escape me today. Uh, 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the program so one of the biggest news items of the day hasn't happened yet, although it is expected. Uh, about an hour ago, a uh, sealed filing hit the master docket for the Trump, uh, the the Trump search, uh, the the search of of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, remember, Trump has filed asking for a special master in that case. We were expecting two things today from the DOJ. The judge's order yesterday asked for these two things. The first is a sealed, more detailed inventory of what was taken from Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. The second thing the judge asked for is a rebuttal from the Department of Justice as to why uh, she, the, the judge shouldn't appoint a special master to oversee the perusing of these materials from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, the DOJ at, originally was given, uh, uh, I think state court, uh, state law uh, required 20 pages. And the DOJ, sa uh, the DOJ said 
uh, we're going to need more than that. So they were given 40 pages. So we're expecting that at some point today. Uh, have not gotten yet. Am still looking for it. Uh, but again, don't know when they're going to do it. Obviously, they're going to do it soon. Uh, day is almost over. But the sealed, detailed inventory of what was taken from Mar-a-Lago has, in fact, been uh, been put onto the docket, so the judge will be reviewing that. Now, the thing with the special master is that Trump is claiming that this will make the process more transparent. And to an extent, I agree. Now, there is a special team within the DOJ that is independent of everything else that will be overseeing this as well and has been. We know they have been because the DOJ did file a notice that they discovered some privileged information among the documents that were taken from Mar-a-Lago. The DOJ released that information for a specific reason. I mean, yes, they had to notify, but that means they went through the stuff already. And because they've gone through it already, because they have found the privileged documents and are turning them back over, that gives them the chance to make the argument that, see, this is just a waste of time. It's a moot point. We've already gone through the materials. We've had our independent guys looking over it. You don't need to hire a special master. The special master would actually delay the process, make it go longer, which is what Trump wants. Trump wants to delay this process. The longer it's delayed and the longer there are more people who are looking at this and the chances are that somebody can find something, the better it is for Trump. The DOJ obviously does not want to delay. And so by going through and saying they've already found privileged documents, the DOJ can make the argument, which is what they're going to do in this 40-page rebuttal. It's going to be a huge part of it is we've already looked through it. We've already found the privileged communications that were uh, that belong to the president. We're going to turn those back over. You don't need to hire a special master because, see, we're clearly capable of finding this stuff and not abusing it. That's going to be a part of their argument. But we don't know until that 40-page document is submitted just how the DOJ will lay that rebuttal out. Now, they give their response today. Trump will have until tomorrow to give a rebuttal to that response. The hearing on whether or not to appoint a special master will then be on Thursday. And by the end of the day, Thursday, we should know whether or not the judge will appoint a special master. Now, the whole reason this is being talked about the way it is right now is that the judge indicated yesterday that the court was inclined to appoint a special master to oversee this because this is such a highly publicized and historic event. Now, one thing you do need to know, and it is, it is just a matter of being as open and transparent and honest as possible. The DOJ has in the past prosecuted high-level current and former government officials for unlawful retention of national defense information, which is what is part of the problem for Trump. That national defense in information 
was among the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago, suspected to be there, and that's what led to the raid, and they found some, allegedly. It needs to be noted that, yes, there are high-profile government officials who have been, uh, current and former officials, who have been prosecuted in this. Sandy Berger's, Berger's one. David Petraeus is one. There are several. Yes, the DOJ didn't go after Hillary Clinton. She should not have gotten away with her own. But even though Trump is a former president, you cannot necessarily assume that he would be immune from this because of the unprecedented nature. And whether or not you think it's partisan by the DOJ and partisan by the FBI, there is precedent that high-ranking government officials have been prosecuted for such things before. But we will see. I will keep an eye out for that document and try to get it broken down as best I can, either here on kpl965.com. In the meantime, bottom of the hour news break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk, 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk, 96.5 KPL, 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. So there is an interesting bit of data out of Georgia, and it feeds into what I wanted to talk about here. Uh, Let me find this bit. This, to me, I think is probably the most fascinating part of uh, of the election cycle right now. You have uh, an Emerson College poll that shows Raphael Warnock is up, I'm sorry, that, that Herschel Walker's up two points over Raphael Warnock. But when you look at the numbers, it's not good for... Uh, for uh, Raphael Warnock and for the Democrats as a whole. Um, I can tell you why I didn't find the poll numbers. I was looking at the wrong page because I have too many tabs open on my laptop. Uh, Walker leads Warnock among rural voters 58 to 24%. That's expected. Rural voters in Georgia lean Republican. Urban voters in Georgia, Atlanta, etc., Lean Democrat, 66 to 25 in Warnock's favor. But here is the doomsday bill. In the suburbs, voters are breaking for Walker by a nine-point margin, 50 to 41. Suburban voters are the voters that Republicans need to get a hold of in Georgia and other swing states. The Georgia, so here's a, here's a little bit of inside information in Georgia, just because I have friends there and, and, and have gotten a lot on Georgia politics from them. Georgia Republicans, uh, Georgia Republican leaders are kind of like they are here. They are very moderate uh, and they don't like the conservatives in the party all that much. And the, GOP establishment in Georgia have routinely tried to ignore the rural voters and tried to win suburban women 
because that would be the way to fight back against the Democrats, they would think. But as I've been telling you guys for a while now, when it comes to being moderate, when you purposefully run as a moderate, what you're doing is you're telling the extremes on both sides not to vote for you. And when one of those sides is your political side, you can't tell those people to stay home, which is what you're doing when you're saying, I'm not going to be extreme like them. You're telling them to stay home. The extreme voters on both sides will settle for the moderate. You don't have to run them off. What the Georgia GOP did was ignore rural voters and focus on suburban voters. And it took somebody like Brian Kemp to appeal to both. Brian Kemp in Georgia appealed to rural voters. I mean, he first of all, he's got the accent. Second of all, if you've never heard Brian Kemp speak, it is a very thick rural Georgia accent. But also... With his policies, with his proposals, with his ideas, he was able to win suburban voters, especially suburban women. It was his own policies, ideas, and it was the extremism of Stacey Abrams and how extreme the Democrat Party is getting. Right now, the Democratic Party has pushed suburban voters away with how extreme they want to be. The Democratic Party is not the party of the worker. It is the party of the big city. It is the party of the urban elite. And they are suffering in the polls because of that. The Democratic Party right now is really looking for a way to get as many voters out as possible. So they are tailoring their messages to the loudest voices, because those loud voices are the people that dominate the cities that Democrats tend to do well in. But as a result, the Democrats are chasing away people in the suburbs and people in the rural parts of the country. And the problem is, the most extreme people on the left are also younger, and younger voters tend to not go out to vote all that much. They're getting better, but they're still not quite there. Walker is ahead of Warnock 46 to 44. Now, a few months ago, he was up by four points. He slipped a little bit. But again, I told you, that's to be expected. The Democrats have about a two-point advantage at this time of year right now. Walker's campaign is getting better He's up two points at a time of year when Democrats are typically doing better in the polls. But wait, there's more. Mitch McConnell and his super PAC are sending money to Oz in Pennsylvania. The Senate Majority Fund has increased its spending now to $5.72 million in the last 11 days in Pennsylvania. So the Republicans are seeing something in the internal polling that suggests Fetterman has a weakness and they're going to exploit it. As well, the Democrats are starting to throw out attacks against Blake Masters in Arizona, I think. Masters is removing language 
talking about Trump and the 2020 election from his website, and they're calling him out on it. The Democrats and the media are calling him out on it. That's a sign that they are trying to do something because there is a bit of a surge for masters there. Kari Lake, running for Senate in Arizona, is now up. So Kari Lake is surging. In these swing states that Democrats thought they might be able to scrape by and be safe in, the Republican spending is going up. And Republican money isn't just something you throw around. They're going to throw it around if they think they have a chance. So they think they have a chance in Pennsylvania. They really think they have a chance and probably their strongest chance in Georgia. Missouri, they don't have to worry about. Eric Schmidt's up at least 10 points in the average, if not more. And Kari Lake. They're pushing some money around there. They are having to send some money to Ohio. They're a little nervous about Ohio. But if they take Mark Kelly's seat in Arizona and they take Raphael Warnock's seat in Georgia, that's it. Even if they lose Pennsylvania, they still have a 51-49 majority in the Senate. And that is why the Democrats are out there talking about the abortion bump. They're out there talking about their polling bump, their surge. They're talking about the inflation reduction. They're talking about all of these things. And they keep saying Trump, 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 Trump. They are desperately trying to get as many people on their side rallied to go out and vote. Because the alternative for them is everybody's going to keep paying attention to the inflation numbers. Oh, and speaking of numbers, there's another number you need to know. 30%. Let's take a break there. We'll call that a tease. We'll take a break. Come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. You guys call in 232-1542 or send a message on the KPL app chat. And we'll be right back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call and be part of the conversation or send a message on the KPL app chat. Now, 30%. The homicide rate surged more than 30% in the first year of the pandemic, and it has yet to return to pre-pandemic norms. According to NPR, the homicide rate jumped nearly 30% in 2020. Experts had assumed it was a temporary blip, a fleeting symptom of pandemic pressures, civil unrest, Uh, You know, everybody's at home, so there's a a lot more people just being available. When you're at work, when you're at school, kids are less likely to do, uh, grown-ups are less likely to do crazy, violent things. You're just too busy throughout the day. When everybody's home during the pandemic because of shutdowns, you're frankly more likely to attack and hurt each other. It's kind of like the, if you've ever noticed, uh, there was a book, it was... It was a book on correlation and causation, how sometimes there are, uh, there are correlations without causation. For example, in the summer, when ice cream sales go up, so do property crimes. And the reason is not that ice cream makes us violent, although I have met people who lose their minds over ice cream. We've been told since we were children that we all scream for ice cream after all. But it's because during the summer, kids are home. 
Kids who are at home during the summer and are bored, especially in cities, tend to do more property crimes. Everybody assumed kind of the same thing here, that the rise in homicides would be the fact that everybody was home, everybody was tense, it was a very scary, very new situation, and that it would go back down, but it hasn't. The soft-on-crime policies in the major Democratic centers have led to the homicide rate staying high. Three summers after the pandemic began, the violence persists. Young people are more likely to be armed with a gun. Now, this isn't an anti-gun rant, don't get me wrong here. But you have 16, 17, 18-year-olds on up, walking around with guns, wanting to protect themselves, getting involved in something you know not smart a lot of times. But there's a reason that I bring this up. Joe Biden is planning to flip the script, basically, by giving a speech in Pennsylvania, outlining everything his administration has done to fight crime and fund police. He is expected to make this part of his swing around the various states. A lot of Democrats are doing the same. Uh, Fetterman, John Fetterman in Pennsylvania is talking about his time as, as a mayor in Pennsylvania, except... Except there's video of Fetterman chasing a young black man down the street holding a gun. Fetterman was holding a gun improperly. Now, he cannot go out there and say that he kept his streets safe with that video floating around because that will be used against him. And if the Oz campaign doesn't use that against him in uh, in, in responding to this ad, Oz deserves to lose. But anyway, I go back to what I was saying in the last segment. Suburban voters are nervous. Suburban voters do not like the state of things right now. They don't like the chaos that is around us right now. Economic turmoil. Gas prices that are still up way more than they were when Joe Biden took office. Yes, they've gone down a bit, but three fifteen dollars a gallon around the corner from the studio is not where it was is, is not what it was supposed to be. I mean, it's not where it was a year, year and a half ago for sure. And we still have supply chain issues. We still have grocery shortages. We still have shortages of other necessities. We have energy prices that are running amok in our homes. And we have crime problems in major urban areas. In any city, medium or big city, we have major crime sprees, and homicide rates are part of it. Suburban moms in particular don't like it because suburban moms tend to be so family-centric that they look at the things that are best for their family. And what they want is to make sure their family is taken care of and their family is protected. Well, if you have Democrats out there who have been espousing defund the police and you have prosecutors who are out there who are being soft on crime, letting murderers, letting gangsters out of prison way too early, and those criminals go back and commit more crimes. When you have a mayor of a southern city go into court and defend a carjacking suspect, people lose faith. 
And suburban voters tend to flee the Democratic Party as a result of it. And they are looking at the Republican Party, which is why Herschel Walker's winning by nine points, according to the latest poll out of Georgia, and why other Republicans around the country are winning suburban voters in a way they haven't before. Because the Democrats' policies, their social extremism, their cultural extremism, and their criminal justice extremism, or their lack of criminal justice, frankly, that is chasing them away. They don't want to be any part of that. They don't want the country that they live in. They don't want the neighborhoods their kids grow up in to be subjected to those things. And regardless of your ideological bent on how you see these things, you have to look at the data and understand that's what's causing the gravest concern among suburban voters right now. And suburban voters are a pretty powerful block when they get their heads together and they decide on something like this. The soccer mom demographic is real. Soccer moms want their kids to be able to go out and do the things their kids want to do, and they want their kids to be safe. Suburban moms, suburban dads all feel the same way. It's not a partisan thing. It's an I want to take care of my family thing. And so by nine points in Georgia, suburban voters are leaning to the Republican. So while you have all of these other things going on, all this stuff Joe Biden wants to talk about, he wants to flip the script and talk about what his, what his administration has done for crime, the fact of the matter is, in Democratic strongholds, the Democratic Party's hold on things has caused crime to grow, has caused social extremism from the left to take over, has caused progressivism to take over, and these people don't like it. And so they are packing up and they are taking their stuff to the Republican Party. They're not becoming Republicans, but they will vote for Republicans because Republicans are going to be an alternative. Not that the Republicans are going to do anything different, but the Republicans are an understood alternative to all this. The Republicans don't have to do, they don't have to promise anything. All they have to do is show that there is a difference between them and the Democrats on the issue of crime, on the issue of energy, on the issue of the economy and inflation. All they have to do is show these things. And suburban voters, along with rural voters, and yes, even some urban voters, will pick up their stuff and they will go to the Republican Party this November because of it. That's it for the day. You guys have a great day. 23 hours until the Joe Cunningham Show is back. Stick around for Offsides coming up next. And tomorrow, Andrew Cash from the Daily Advertiser joins me. We'll talk about all these stories with uh, Mayor President Josh Guillory. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. You guys tune in right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.